Hello, welcome to Local Anaesthetic Podcast, the most trusted name in local news. My name is Alex and this is Rob. Hello, podcast fans. And we are on episode 194 now. And Rob, let's just get straight into it before we go into our stories, because we talked about it last week. We talked about, I said my worry that Donald Trump could get in. I said I didn't think the establishment or the powers of be would allow it to happen. Donald Trump is president, is president-elect. You've still got to wait till January, Rob. Anything could happen. Because that's true, actually. What if a scandal happened before January? That's true. And also, apparently, some would say he is still due to stand... Apparently... Now, there's... I can't Are you sure? Find... I heard a lot of the women have pulled out. No, apparently, the, there is a, one of the rape allegations has been dropped that he's due to stand trial for. However, there is an allegation of fraud that apparently he still needs to stand trial for in December. Okay. So let's get into it, then. No. I'm going to ask you some questions. I don't... I don't, I don't okay. Go on. Go on. Who's to blame? And answer these seriously. Who's well, if you look at the stats of the election, the white middle class, apparently, because it seems that, although saying that, that amazingly, and, I, and for the life of me, I can't fathom how this happened. The, uh, the black American and Hispanic vote went up. Yeah, for, for Trump. For yeah, Trump. Down for, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't because think... Because I think okay, the, overall, so the gonna, overall voter percentage went down. I agree overall. with you there, but I'm going to say to you that I disagree with you. I don't think it's fair to blame the voter for this result. We can't blame the voter for voting who they wanted in. No. Okay, that's a fair point. I lay the blame squarely at the Democratic Party. Yeah. And I lay, lay the blame at the Democratic Party because in the decision about who was going to be their candidate, they decided, really, they did decide, with, with, with the, that Hillary should be over Bernie Sanders. That was the first mistake. Yeah, because I think because there was a lot of people who said that, that, that she could be a risky candidate to, to, to present. But it's not just that. It was the fact that Bernie Sanders was like Trump, but on a different side of a coin. He was also an outsider. Mm. And there are a lot of people who ended up voting for Trump who, had big, who were big Bernie Sanders supporters. But how could you go from one extreme to the other? Because you, because you want an outsider who's anti-establishment, right? I'll get into that in a second. I will get into that. Well, actually, before we get... I'll just say this. It was actually my mum, when I was talking to her the other day, who said this, and she was absolutely right, because she spends time in America. She said, what we don't understand is... And, and then suddenly it made me realise, everything went click. She right. said, Hillary Clinton is viewed in America the same way that we see Tony Blair. Right, okay. Now do you understand? That, yeah, that actually makes... Imagine a... An incredible a, amount of sense. Right, so now imagine a competition between Tony Blair where none of us would believe a word that comes out of his mouth, yeah. and Nigel Farage, for example. You begin to understand how it could happen. So that's the first thing. So the, second, so the first thing is they picked the completely wrong candidate. They, they, they picked the queen of politics royalty, who was part of a dynasty, because the Americans have just been used to Clinton, Bush, Clinton's Bush, Clinton's Bush, mm. and then Obama in between all that, right? But the point is they wanted something different. Bernie Sanders could have been that. But the massive mistake they made, and it's huge... And they should be ashamed of it because at the time it was obviously a ridiculous risk. Was when they decided she was going to be their presidential candidate, mm. she went for she she should have had as her running mate, her vice president, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. If she had done yeah. that, then she would have been able to just mop up all of that support. And instead she went for whatever his name is, nice guy Do you know what? I've actually no idea who her running mate was. Um, I do know it because people keep asking me and I keep forgetting it every two seconds. But, th- but in saying that, that, that just typifies what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a very nice guy. I'm sure he is. Mm-hmm. Tim Kaine. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So why on earth 
would she not have realised? Because what happened was that it did kind of fatally split the Democratic Party because yeah. a lot of people were very angry with the fact that Hillary was there. You know, there were a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters who were never convinced. Now, had it been Bernie Sanders up against Donald Trump, I think Bernie Sanders would have won. Mm. And we would be ecstatic to have... We really would. <laughs> even, you know, uh, 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 Bernie Sanders... Because no one... Running I mean, the United States of America. But you just can't imagine that. But, what the, but I, although... You could make the argument that the Americans would still prefer to appoint uh, as their president a narcissistic sociopath over a socialist. Uh, <laughs> but what? I, Hence my point. I, can't, I couldn't believe that. But I think if if he was on the ballot with Clinton, that for me would have made her a more p- appealing okay, prospect. It, absolutely, absolutely. That, so, so I blame Democratic Party. But, this, but where do we go now? That's well, the hang question. on a minute. I understand that. But, the, but no, because it is worth dissecting this. But the other thing is, is that I was going to play it on the podcast, actually, but I won't. But um, <clears throat> maybe we could put a link to it if I give you the link on the Facebook yeah, page. Okay. There was a Michael Moore did a brilliant, because he's released his film, hadn't he? Trumpland. Yeah, the, quite, quite, quite late into the into proceedings, I believe. But he did this meeting with loads of people in this kind of big hall where he spoke, because he's got experience of the Trump kind of voter, because those are the sort of people he grew up around and he can understand them. Mm. He gave a brilliant, an absolutely brilliant, almost polemic of his speech as uh, giving the justification for voting for Trump from the minds of the Trump voter. Right, and, the okay. way, and the way he put it, you could absolutely understand it. You know, he said that... Because this this what they call this Rust Belt in America, where, where which would normally vote Democrat, but fell to Trump, of places like Ohio, of places like Michigan, places like North Carolina, where they've just been wiped out, you know, where, where all their industry's gone, everything. Yeah, yeah. He pointed out that, do, you imagine you're living in those places, you, you, you've, you've had everything taken away from you, right? Mm. Since, since this financial crisis and years before, you've had everything taken away. Yeah. And Donald Trump comes to your town, right? And he, and he meets with the executives of the Ford Motor Industry. And he's the first person to ever say to them, the first politician who'd ever have the guts or would ever be willing to say, and he says to them, if you move your manufacturing plant as you're threatening to do to Mexico, I will put a 35% tariff on you bringing cars into this country. And when you do that, nobody will buy your cars because they'll be too expensive. That is what they've been looking to hear all their lives, somebody saying, no, no, you're not, we're not having the jobs go out of, of America. We're having them kept here. And if you don't, I'm going to slap a tariff on you, right. which no other president would, would do. Nobody would, be, would have the balls to stand up to big business like that yep. in that way. Then suddenly this becomes a man who is, who is your voice, who is actually, no matter whether or not he's a misogynist, no matter whether or not he says this, no matter whether or not he may or may not and sexually assault women. And whether, uh, these, I'm still, I think I, I still just believe it. These are undoubtedly empty threats. I cannot believe yeah, well, that, well, he has any intention. He could disappoint a hell of a lot of people. But just like the Brexit thing, it's exactly the same Brexit phenomenon. It's a great big fuck you to the establishment. The lies, yeah. No, no, it's not about being sold to lies. It's about people wanting to say fuck you to the establishment. And the establishment, the political class, have not been quick to notice the trend of what's been happening for years. That as globalism has happened more and more and everybody's felt left behind... Yeah. That there has been this complete disillusionment and they need it because the only good thing which is going to come out of this is where do we go from here? What is good that will come out of it is that it cannot, I don't think it can be politics as usual anymore in the sense that in four years time, the Democratic Party can't just put up Hillary Clinton again. They've got to understand that people now want something different and they are prepared. I think think in the case of Trump, it's like what what you hear from because I've seen interviews on TV with intelligent people like you and me, Rob, sitting in a coffee shop who voted for Trump, and they've done it because even though he comes out with unbelievable stuff which they don't like, at least he speaks his mind. At least he is not 
he, he's willing to say what needs to be said. Mm. Well, look, we can just wait and see. I mean, there's nothing else we can do about it. But it, it is still unbelievable. Yeah, I mean... I, I, because to me, where, where it becomes tawdry is this is on Wikipedia for this man's entry, you know... I can't think of any other American president in recent times who has already got this list of things against his name, which is like quotes. You know, like presidential know, quotes. Well, just think, <laughs> you know, let's just reduce it to the debate. We are talking that a reality TV star has just been elected to like, and, multi- and, 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 and property tycoon. Yeah, and property tycoon, yeah. yeah. And, and God knows what else. I mean, we, I just... I think Obama put it very succinctly yesterday let's just you know let's just give him a chance well Obama just... was very gracious no? yeah very much so I don't know why he wasn't encouraging riots on the streets uh, but you know I understand I understand about the peaceful transition of power and everything else but the thing is with the thing is with Trump is I honestly believe that he has viewed this part of it as a wrestling match yeah and a wrestling match where he's prepared to do and say anything to win over his competitors remember he knocked out all of the establishment Republican nominees. Can I, I mean, also, it is quite phenomenal what he has done. Right? Also, with, with, with his vote share, he also has, by looks of it, control of the Senate as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Hillary won the popular vote. Yes, I know. By, by, I think by about one percentage point, I believe. But, but, he, well, but it's that bloody electoral college. Again, uh, no, 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 so 0.1, I think it was. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. But also, I think someone told me that the one state literally came down to 15 votes, hmm. which is astounding. Well, it is true to say that had the young people come out to vote more, had black people come out to vote more, had Hispanic come out to vote more, we wouldn't be in this situation. And it is surprising that, again, it didn't get the turnout. But that's the problem, I guess. Because uh, for me, watching Hillary Clinton, I could not quite understand why she was so loathed and reviled. But as soon as I understood that people see her like Blair, they see her as fundamentally crooked, then you begin to understand. Well, look, Alex, we may be living on a parallel universe. We can't confirm that. But in the meantime... Local news is still going on. Local news is still going on, although, because obviously this is a neat side, side, uh, side um, sort of neat link here. Right. Bournemouth Echo, um, from today, Kate Wilson, Donald Trump could be one of the best presidents America has ever had, says Dorset MP. Oh, God. Um, and we're recording on the 10th, by the way, 10th of November, 2016. Dorset MP says he thinks Donald Trump has the potential to be one of the best America- presidents America has ever had. Mr. Trump will be sworn in, and it's still weird to say this. It's a 45th... Sorry, I just also wanted to say, from what I was saying earlier, I do think that his appointment is also a massive reaction against Obama. Because to go from something as almost an enlightened choice and progressive choice as Obama to Trump, it almost feels like all of those people who were secretly very unhappy about a black man being president. (laughs) The reaction to it, because it's literally like both sides of the scale. Yes, I agree with that. Um, and also, I mean, if you just take away from it the fact that they they may just actually hate the idea of a first female president as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. However, during the president-elect's acceptance speech, he said Americans must now unite and bind the wounds of division, which I love. I've caused these wounds, okay? <laughs> and now we've got to. And heal now them. you need to get used to it. <laughs> yeah, now we've got to heal them. Richard Drax, Conservative MP for South Dorset, said if Mr. Trump can do this, then one day he might go down as one of the greatest presidents America has ever Sorry, had. Sorry, can I just point out that Richard Drax sounds like he should be a, a, some sort of um, bad guy for a 1980s, <laughs> I don't know, bank heist or something. Speaking to the Echo, he said, I've never ever been very keen on either candidate, but I do feel America will be better off after a Trump presidency than the Clinton one. Clinton is part of the problem in American politics. She's not connected with the electorate, but it's part of the Washington elite. We really should have learned our lesson with Brexit and the rise of UKIP and the SNP. People are fed up with politicians who feel they don't speak for them. It's very interesting, isn't it, Rob, that the people who are 
pro-Brexit, like the pro-Brexit politicians everything, are so happy about this Trump presidency mm. because he was very pro-Brexit as well. So they feel that now we'll be able to get some kind of favourable deal. And Nigel Farage is just on this winning streak of picking the right horse, Rob. I mean, he was over there. He spoke at one of Trump's rallies. Nigel I, Farage is potentially behind all of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on, on on the record... That man is a cunt. I'm sorry. I, I admire him. Absolutely who, detest him. I admire him. I'll tell you why. Because anybody who is able to... He, because he's so principled. And when I say principled, I mean he has these beliefs, right? Yeah. About, and he has stuck completely by them. And I think some of them are very commendable. I'm not sure about how many others. But it is this absolute belief that uh, in the idea of sovereign states... Which f- fundamentally, I've said to you before, is something I do agree with. But but I think it's mixed in with a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you've got to admire the fact that he has got a one-man band changing the world, Rob. I'm not sure I do have to admire this. <laughs> you let this man survive that plane crash. Yeah, unfortunately. Maybe it's the second coming. So, oh, well, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Sorry. No, we are not, for listeners, we are not in any stretch of the imagination comparing Nigel the Farage <laughs> to Jesus Christ. <laughs> I never thought I'd have to make that clarification (laughs) yeah Um, his supporters backed him voted for him because of these things if he doesn't follow through on them then his supporters will be up in arms the MP said he's awoken a sleeping giant and promised them we'll make their lives better which would be fantastic as long as it's not at the expense of women disabled people or minorities it will be this is really a non-story so how's he going to be the best president in America why have they why why is he why why does he feel he needs to come out and make this he's not going to meet the guy in any way well there are comments Rob but they're they can't, I can't. I can't read. That. Okay, fair enough. Um, Croydon Cat Killer update. Oh, good. Oh, god. Uh, <laughs> this gets better. Yeah, the new shopper going from one psychopath to another. Croydon Cat Killer may have claimed ten more victims in just ten days, oh, including Jesus. Bromley, Petswood, Dartford, and Wallington. God, it's been busy. The Croydon Cat Killer is thought to have claimed ten more victims. The serial killer, animal killer, is believed to have struck various places in South London and Kent recently, having reportedly claimed victims across the country. Last weekend, two cats were found dead in the same street in Bromley, both from blunt force trauma injuries. One of the cats also had its tail removed, a trait said to be typical of the killer. Right. Other locations the killer is believed to have targeted recently include Petswood, Dartford, Wallington and Westerham. Petswood, unfortunate, really, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Pets would be beheaded. We're not supposed to bury them, though. <laughs> I'll just repeat that. Pets would be beheaded. Uh, South Norwood Animal Rescue and Liberty, Snarl, who we've heard so much from, Rob, which is working with Croydon and Bromley Police and the RSPCA... They're not working very fucking hard, are they? Killer. No, they're doing a terrible job. ...is treating these cases as part of the Croydon Cat Killer crimes. Tony Jenkins co-founder of Snarl, said we've had a case a day for the last 10 days. The killer is claiming a large number of victims in a short time. They've been on one or two other sprees in the past. This looks like another one. Last week, we collected two bodies from the same street in Bromley. The first cat was found intact with a head injury from blunt force trauma. The second was found in a nearby children's playground with their tails cut off. We believe the killer may have gone to the air on Friday, but been interrupted and unable to mutilate the cat. We can't be certain the cats were killed by the same person. They could have been done by other people, but they fit with other cases and the police are investigating them. We aren't confirming this to... We, we aren't confining this to the southeast. Cat owners everywhere need to be aware of keeping cats inside and supervising them. Are you doing that, Rob? No. Well, if it happens, Rob... As, as I said before, Al, and I, this, is, this is purely speculation and not based on any facts, I still think it's Snell trying to raise their profile. Um, uh, Allegedly. Rob, no, Rob retracts that. Retracts it? Uh, retracts it. 
Um, this is from the comments section, Rob. Freya's mum says, evil piece of shit. No, Roommaster right. bus says, and still the police do nothing. But call a foreigner a name and watch them allocate every resource at their disposal to banging you up. That's the kind of person who would have voted for Trump, yep. Yeah. CC552 says, irrelevant. This is about cat murder, not hate speech. Cool Cat says, sickening. This psychopath must be caught. More CCTV seems like the only hope. So hang on a minute. Is this Croydon Cat Killer a ruse to usher us into a 1980, a full 1984-style society? Sorry, isn't London already the most covered city for CCTV yeah, coverage in the world? Moral. There could always be more. Yeah. Jimmy, cats. Jimmy S says... <laughs> yeah, great idea. Jimmy S says, the murders are quite spread out, though. Could this be the work of several copycat killers? We've had that pun before. It's insensitive. Yeah, it really is. If you've lost one of those cats, you don't want to be reading that on here. Um, last story... Unusual new shopper from today by Granny Cuffy, New Jersey. Excuse me, Granny Cuffy. Granny, Granny Cuffy. Yes. Or well, I think it could. Be, yeah. No, it could be Grania. I think it's Grania. Grania makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen any swarms of in quotes smelly STD carrying killer Harlequin ladybirds? No. That are being invading homes and no, threatening other folks. No. Is that again? Smelly STD carrying killer Harlequin ladybirds. How does she know they've got STDs? <laughs> It, probably, it could well be a, an episode title, yeah. Watch out for swarms of stinky bugs threatening our wine, our native ladybirds and our noses as one of the most invasive insect species in the world, in quotes, invades homes. So these are these are a dirty, STD-infected foreign ladybirds coming over here sullying our, our good ladybirds. Well, Rob, as soon as we can trigger Article 50 and get out of this, this won't be a problem anymore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The Harlequin ladybird, which took less than a decade to spend, th- spread throughout the UK, while the grey squirrel took 100 years to do the same, Right. <laughs> Excludes an unpleasant smelling yellow fluid as a defence mechanism has been multiplying in large numbers recently. Due to the coming winter months, insects are massing together in large groups for warmth and people have reported seeing swarms of them in their homes. So it's a ladybird or orgy, is it? Is that what it is? Could be. The UK Ladybird Survey oh God. warns the vocarious appetite of harlequin ladybirds originally from Asia is threatening the native ladybird as they eat, eat each other's ladybird eggs and larvae and even bite humans when hungry. Wow. These bothersome bugs carry an insect STD, a fungal disease which is passed on through mating and poses yet another risk to the native ladybird. Even Christmas wine may be at risk. Can I, I'm just assuming, when we talk about ladybirds, we are talking about insects and not she-boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming so. Harlequin ladybird sounds a bit, you know. I, I, I paid to see that. <laughs> paid to see, see a Harlequin ladybird. Yeah. What were you going to say, Rob? Um, it's like Christmas wine. Yes. What's, what's Christmas wine? I'm not sure. Is it just wine at Christmas? Yeah. How is it made, made, made with the soft, gentle hands of um, Cliff Richard? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, surely Christmas wine is just just wine. There's not. I don't think there's. There's any- no drugs in it, Rob. It doesn't put retinol in it. Sorry. You're not There's nothing like that. You're not implying that's what Cliff Richard did. No, sorry, I thought you were saying that. No, no, I wasn't buying that. Cliff Richard is uh, is an amazing man, Rob. Can I just can I just finish? Um, It's because these ladybirds seek out ripe fruit and are particularly fond of grapes. With wineries noticing large swarms of in the grape harvest. Right. Professor Helen Roy of the Centre for Ecology and Hydrology sounds made up. Well, the ladybirds (laughs) could also limit alcohol production. She said these ladybirds feed on grapes. They're often found in vineyards, which, of course, becomes a problem for wine production. Their powerful defensive chemicals can affect the taste of wine if they get trapped in a production process. 
conservation ecologist for London Wild Tri- Wildlife Trust, Tony Wildman, believes the overall threat to native species of ladybirds is not as great as initially thought, but localised areas, specifically urban areas such as London, will be most affected. Blah, blah, blah. Um, when asked for advice on how to keep the insects out of homes, Mr. Wildman said it was almost impossible and we had gone past the point of getting rid of the species. He said, if everyone killed 30 a day, we would still never control it. They are here and they are here to stay. The Harlequin ladybird was introduced to North America from Asia in the 1980s to control plant lice, and experts believe the insect may have been blown by strong winds to the UK in 2004. It's a fucking strong wind, Rob, to get you to the United States of America. Alice. <coughs> Alice? Sorry, Alex, even. What do you call me, Alice? Alice, for some reason. Um, this has to be one of the most pointless stories we've ever featured on the podcast. Well, QPR for me says, I think they're blown I think they're blown across from the near continent in 2004, i.e. France and the Netherlands, where they'd also just been introduced for pest control. The idea that they could be blown across the Atlantic Ocean is a little bit fanciful. 3,500 miles, just a bit too far. Also, the near continent suggestion makes a lot more sense, as the Harlequin ladybird was first identified in the southeast of England and not the west, as the flawed America idea would expect. It's one of the most sensible, sort of interesting analytical comments we've ever had. Yeah. Um, Best Baz says New shopper pen pusher For your information Ladybirds hibernate This time of year Try repeating this In the warmer months Guess you only run this story As a gap filler And Polly Straight says Those immigrants Get everywhere <laughs> oh, I think it's been Quite fitting That we finished On that tone Do you think We should build a wall Keep yeah, the ladybirds out No they just blow over it mm. Okay back to the drawing board mm. Okay, Rob, after that extravaganza of an opening... Um, sorry, that sounds a bit sexual. Have you got a, uh, have you got a story for That's us? That's I like to call it. Um, I've got two from the Essex Live. I think they're both from Essex Live. Yes, they are, yeah. Uh, this first is by Tom Dare. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a movie character. He, he does. Um, and this was from the 9th of November. Slightly, slightly underappreciated brother of Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He went to work for a local paper uh, where... where That's it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dan Dare oh yeah of course he was um, was he not an astronaut what did he do Dan Dare I think he was caught up in the whole Operation Utree thing oh okay right headline Basildon man hit in the face with child slide in 40 man brawl <laughs> child slide yeah very good <laughs> a man was left covered in blood after he was whacked with a child slide when a misunderstanding between 40 people turned ugly and a mass brawl broke out in Basildon <laughs> How does a misunderstanding between 40 people happen? Well, more easily than between two people. I mean, yeah, more, more, yeah. Likely, more people more likely than misunderstanding. Possibly. Emergency response officers were called to Clayhill Road in Vange? Vange? Not sure. About 9.15pm on Saturday following reports of a street fight involving weapons. The victim of his 40 was taken bruised, blooded and with a fractured nose when police arrived at the scene and was taken to Basin hostel, uh, Hospital for further treatment. Um... Detective Superintendent Kevin Baldwin, the South Local Police Area Superintendent, said, We got a call at 9pm after the victim had an altercation with some people in Clayhill Road. He'd been hit over the head with a kid's slide. He was taken to hospital and his injuries turned out to Did not be serious. Did they not say what the misunderstanding was about? Uh, no, no. What kind of journalism is this? I get sick of it. Do you think they were talking about Trump? Oh, Trump Clinton. I love that. But also, where were they? Were, where they, they had access to a child's slide? Were they just in someone's back garden? It just yeah, looks like a look rudimentary Forty. It must have been like a garden party that turned really ugly. Yeah, I believe it must have done. Someone um, was drowned in the paddling ball. <laughs> <laughs> someone was stuck into a doll's house. Uh, PC Marrick 
Jorowski from Basden's community policing team urge witnesses and anyone with information Sounds to get like in touch. Sounds like a New York cop. What's his name? Marek Jorowski. He <laughs> doesn't it? He does, actually. Yeah. Doesn't sound like he'd be working in Basildon. No. Um, in words, anyone with information to get in touch as the attackers are still at large. Uh, our understanding is that we, there was a misunderstanding to a large group of people and he became injured. We still don't know who was responsible kind of misunderstanding. For the do, you, do you mean argument? That's what they mean. Yeah. Like I said, it was a mass brawl. Uh, right. Second story, as I said, is also from the Essex Live website. Uh, it's by uh, Joe Sturdy. I think we've had him before. And uh, this is from the 7th of November. Epping man reports dog missing at police station and gets done for drink driving. Right, so he turned up drunk to report his missing dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. A man was handed to your drinking, uh, sorry, to your driving ban after going to a police station to report his dog missing and driving there drunk. Anthony Pryor, 68, of the plane in Epping, drove to the Harlow Police Station on Harlow Police Station. I'm sure there's a police station in Epping uh, on October 13th. Hey, to let them know what he's doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> to let them know that his Jack Crosser called Chloe was nowhere to be seen. Join yeah. here at Chelsea. Is that police matter? Uh, probably not, no. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be, I don't think. Yeah. Also, it just said that the dogs know to be seen. They like, have been missing for a long period of time. And even if they were, the police aren't going to do anything. I mean, he probably had been drinking heavily, so he had no concept of what time it was. During a hearing at Chelmford's Magistrates Court on Monday, November 7th, the court heard that the officer on the counter became suspicious. Prosecutor Ian Allen said, The counter officer became concerned that Mr Pryor appeared to be drinking, and he made reference to having parked his vehicle around the corner. When he left the police station, the officer... Made the, un- the uniformed sorry when the account officer made the un- the uniformed officers aware of the situation. One of them went outside and located Pry in his vehicle, a Fiat Sequento. He I was- just love the idea, Rob, that he's banged up in a cell right now and Chloe's just sitting on the doorstep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the idea. Literally, the dogs walked out for a few minutes. He yeah. you know, went to be shit in the garden. He's walked back in and hold- he panicked. <laughs> um, he was prepared to drive off. The engine was running, and he had his seatbelt on. And when the officer spoke to Mr. Pryor, he volunteered, I think I've had a couple of drinks this morning, I lost my dog, and that's why I came here. <laughs> the morning, my God. Actually, that's a good point, I haven't picked up on that, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, had a, he had a breathalyzer reading of 100 micrograms of alcohol in, I don't know what that is. Oh, anyway, so 100 micrograms of alcohol in 100 millilitres of breath. The legal limit for driving is 35 milligrams. Wow, he was way over then. He was way over. Um... Emma Davenport defending said um, he owned his dog Chloe for seven years and she's very important to him. She went missing on, on the morning of October 13th. So he'd been, the dog's been missing a while. I apologise. Mr. Pryor doesn't normally drink. No, he doesn't normally drive. But he was so frantic and worried he decided to drink at the station. Hang on. She went missing on uh, October the 13th and he drove to the police station. Oh no, this is when he was in court. Okay, fair enough. Um, he wasn't thinking clearly. He was just concerned about his dog. After a week, it turned up in the garage where it had been trapped behind the house. <laughs> Mrs. Pryor lives with his wife. So he trapped it there. He trapped it accidentally. And then just started drinking. This happened to us once, right? We had a cat called Cosmo who was very traumatised off this. We, we thought he was lost. Yeah. It turned out my dad had shot him in the loft by accident. Oh, and He was very traumatised when he came. Never came into the house again. Richard Bacon. Do you remember the disgraced BBC presenter? I remember Richard yeah. Bacon. Uh, he, he, was, he was doing a podcast with Richard Herring and he was talking about how is his bad luck and he, he's he's actually I didn't realise he's actually a very um, he has got a very dry sense of humour and he was, ta- he was talking about his misfit family and he was talking about his his dad who was on the way to the airport and he thought he was going to miss his plane and this was like for a business trip so he he, he thought okay I think I'm just going to make it so I parked up the car in the garage and thought oh, I've got about literally about 45 minutes to get through customs and get onto the plane 
Anyway, went to get his case out the out the boot of his car. Opened the boot, and the dog was in there. Oh God! <laughs> Which I just love. I just think that's brilliant. So you had to miss the plane then? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you shut the boot and just go. Well, instead, well, you know. dropped the dog off at a train track and got the plane. Exactly. Okay, Rob. Talking about canines. I've got a story that I was really looking forward to reading out now, and it is, we already discussed it off air, because you know a little bit about it, but not a lot. It's about Michael Heseltine and a dog. Lord Heseltine and a dog. And you said to me that you, a listener actually submitted this story, but yeah. I got there first. Who was it? I can't remember, to be honest. I, I think it was Craig, but it may not have been. Okay, well, whoever it was, whoever sent that to us, thank you, but I've already got it. Now, what, now do you tell me what you know already? Well, as far as I'm aware, and like I said, I, I remember seeing this, this story in the papers, I think it was something along the lines of... Um, in, I don't know, uh, a magazine or an autobiography that's due to be published. I think it was on the lines of that he mentioned about killing the family dog. Right. Intentionally so killing so the family dog. It's from Tatler magazine. Oh, okay. Which I have the original article for. And it's quite extraordinary because they go to visit Lord and Lady Heseltine at their apparent home, which looks like this. Holy shit. So basically, for the listener, it's, it's like a National Trust property. It's, it's, a, it's, it's like is a Georgian a, mansion. Yeah, and... Uh, and these are the grounds. No, Alex, that's a park. That's not his grounds. That's if uh, listen. I mean, you can look this up. Listen on Tatler. This man is a Tory peer. That there's obviously money his family somewhere. I don't know. I'm surprised by this. Lord and Lazy has to at Thenford, their Georgian house. Well done, Northamptonshire, surrounded by 1,500 acres. Much of it is farmed, which just about turns a profit. Says Michael. Good for him. Has, oh, has it's a lake, good to know, isn't it? I has was, a lake, I was worried that you might be facing destitution. Has a lake, six ponds, a sculpture garden, an alpine trough garden, water gardens, a walled garden with aviary, medieval fish ponds, a 36-pipe avenue fountain, tennis courts, and a pool house, the upkeep of all which requires a team of 12. Um, that could be an episode title right there, Rob. Hmm. Anyway, in this article, it has one of the best quotes I think we've ever featured on this podcast because it could be listed, uh, lifted out of, like, Alan Partridge's autobiography. Right, OK. Literally. So I want you to listen really carefully and soak this up. Uh, just one second. Uh, on that note, are you aware that Tony Blackburn is returning to radio? No, but that's brilliant. Okay. Carry on. A broken man. Right. Here's the bit from Tatler. Right. Uh, journalist Charlotte Edwards. Okay. She says, Someone once told me that Lord Heseltine once killed a dog with his bare hands after it attacked a child. I thought it about a metaphor for the old lion who is not the, for the faint of hearted ruthlessness streak in politics, but is also principled on the side of the vulnerable. It turns out to be true. Almost. Ah, I can tell you what it was, says 83-year-old Tory grandee. That was my mother's Alsatian, Kim. I went to stroke him and he started biting me. Here and here. He indicates where on his hands, which are gnarled with age. He continues. If you have a dog that turns, you just cannot risk it, he explains. So I took Kim's collar a sort of choker chain, and I pulled it tight. Suddenly he went limp. He pauses, blue eyes blurred. I was devoted to Kim, but he'd obviously had some sort of mental breakdown. There was no choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can I just read that last bit again? Yeah. So I took Kim's collar, a sort of choker chain, and pulled it tight. Suddenly he went limp. I was devoted to Kim, but he'd obviously had some sort of mental breakdown. There was no choice. (laughs) So let's repaint this picture. Come on, Rob. So, 
I, I don't know. Is he an expert on mental health? I don't know. Especially not the mental health of animals, as far as I'm aware. So, in his humble opinion, this dog was having some sort of <laughs> nervous breakdown or God knows what. And so he took it upon himself to strangle the dog. Yeah. So, so this is what he's, say, he's saying. He was basically, if we put these bits together, he's saying he's at his mother's house who's got a German shepherd in Alsatian called Kim. That he goes to stroke the dog and the dog bit him. Here and here, which he showed on his hand. So the dog bit him twice. Yeah. And from that, he concluded the dog was having a mental breakdown. And in that immediate instance, he thought, I've, I've got two choices to make here. One, I let this lie. Or two, I kill it. Because I, it wasn't a mauling. It no. bit him twice on his hands. And he decided he'd obviously had some sort of mental breakdown. There was no choice. I mean, that is straight. And then what I love is his wife, Lady Hassan, just adds to this right at the end. Beautiful dog. Huge with a great thick coat. <laughs> um, oh, now, lovely bit of information there. But, spurious information. Where this story gets brilliant is the aftermath of this. This is from The Guardian, Haroon Sadiq. Right. Michael Heseltine's Alsatian strangling towel was Shaggy Dog story. Oh. Michael Heseltine has said that his apparent admission that he killed his mother's pet pooch was nothing more than a Shaggy Dog story. The former Deputy Prime Minister seemingly confessed to strangling Kim and Alsatian in an interview with Tatler magazine. I went to stroke him, he started biting me, he said. If you have a dog that turns, you just can't risk it. So I took Kim's collar, a sort of choker chain, and pulled it tight. Suddenly went limp. I was devoted to Kim, but he'd obviously had some sort of mental breakdown. There was no choice. Worth reading again. Yeah. The 83-year-old told the story about Kim when he was asked about rumours dating back to the 1990s that he was involved in the death of a dog. But after his comments were widely reported as him having killed Kim, he told Press Association it was an anecdote that had been misinterpreted. He says... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Okay. He says, I didn't strangle the dog, he said. They have misunderstood. The dog was perfectly all right after the incident. The Tory peer said he then took the dog to the vet the next day and was told that he had no choice but to have the, the dog put down <laughs> because it was dangerous. I'm not sure I understand. Well, it's bullshit. We've just heard the quote. He strangled a dog. It all came out in the press. And he thought, fuck, this is going to affect my reputation. So he came out and said, no, no, I didn't strangle it. And it was fine. Well, listen, Tatler released a statement, which was actually tacked on to the end of this article. Right. Tatler thanks Lord Heseltine for his clarification about his mother's dog. Lord Heseltine has subsequently explained that after going limp, Kim regained consciousness. After much consideration, Lord Heseltine and his wife decided to take Kim to the vet the following day to be put down. <laughs> My so he did strangle the dog. Yeah, it's absolutely did. With the intention, presumably, to kill it, but it was lying on the floor, and then presumably it woke up, and they said, oh, he's awake. Let's take it to the vet and have it put down. What a load of fucking bullshit, Heseltine. Can I also put out a theory, by the way, that he actually caused quite considerable damage to that dog, and the, da- no, the dog was he- so seriously in- injured, they had to take it to the vet to be put down. Rob. He killed that dog in cold blood. Yeah, you're right. Heseltine was nicknamed Tarzan after he swung the mace in Parliament in 1976, but the Kim revelation suggested he may not be in tune with the feelings of animals as the Lord of the Jungle. No, just a sociopath. Yeah. Um, uh, in his recent book, Thenford, written by his wife, Anne, Heseltine claimed to have shot dead 350 grey squirrels in six months. <laughs> he wrote, These foreign intruders may have a Walt Disney appeal in London parks, but to us they are public enemy number one. And a shot without hesitation. These are the kind of people we've been voting as a parliament. <laughs> <laughs> and he's one of the more agreeable Tories. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the sad thing. Um, reinforcing her husband's no-nonsense image in an interview with The Guardian last month, Anne Hesseltine revealed that the former cabinet minister once punched a man who approached him as he was returning home from parliament. 
Don't you remember, she said, addressing his time, you were coming back from the House of Commons and a man approached you who's drunk or druggy or something. <laughs> and you just went, woomph, does a punching impression and he fell over. Nobody was more surprised than you. So hang on, there's no provocation here. This, he just... He, approached him and... He uh, just knocked out a tramp, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, yeah. An RSPCA spokesman said the society could not investigate the dog's death because the incident occurred more than three years ago. And the idea anyway, RSPCA, that had you... Had you investigated, we would have got anywhere. Is 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 so completely fanciful it beggars belief. <laughs> I'd like the idea that maybe the RSPCA would try to exhume the, bond, the dog's body, <laughs> try to operate a post-mortem, and it might come alive because actually it never died at all. It was just limp. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Robert, it's time for our listener story of no the... listener stories. We've got two this week. Oh. One's quite short and the other one's slightly longer. Um, also, I'm just going to say to a listener, obviously we don't name listeners, but thank you for the very we generous... don't name listeners? Oh, who give donations. Donation. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We've had another very generous donation, so we'd like to thank you for the individual who did that. Um, Help keep us eating for the next for a couple of weeks. Probably. Yeah, maybe, uh, well, not, maybe not a couple weeks. of days. Yeah, days. Um, and also, and I know how much you'd love this, a certain... UFO investigator um, has Mr. made Mooney. an appearance as well, and yeah, absolutely. And after the last week's episode, Helen has very kindly sent me not one, not two, but five stories featuring Mr. John Mooney. Are you doing any of them this week? No, I'm going to save right. them because I was thinking if we do, because we say we're going to do a listener special at Christmas, and I think we just space them out over that. So we'll, I think if we make it a long one, make it like an hour, and it, we will feature. Five stories of a man. Wouldn't that be too much? Do you think that's too much? Movement? I think we should spread them out over the episodes. Why well, you have a look at them? And okay, see what I'll have read through. Are. Yeah. In if the meantime, we, will, we could just descend into just. It could be anarchy. Yeah. You're right. In the meantime, the first story is was sent in by Steve, and it's from the Sheffield Steve from Star. Dye. Yeah, the Hearst driver. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's from the she- the Sheffield Star. So again. Our listeners are going a bit further afield, which is always appreciated. Brilliant. First story ever from Sheffield? Uh, I think so, yeah. As far as one way. Um, the story is by Chris Page, and he's from the Digital First team. So it's good to know. Uh-huh. And the headline? Is this the short one or the long one? No, this is a short one. Man chopped off toe with bowl cutters and ate it in Sheffield store. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Why would this be He's mentally ill, isn't he? Why are we reading it? What do you mean? Because we had to feature it. Go on, then. Shoppers... Are... <laughs> it's because it's Wilkinson's. Shopping... <laughs> Shoppers... Are... I, can't... I can't say this word. It's alliteration. Shop... Shoppers at a, Sh... a Sheffield branch of Wilkinson's watched in horror as a man reportedly cut off his big toe. A police spokesman said emergency services were called to the shop in Haymarket, Sheffield around 11.10am on Sunday, October 30th following reports... Uh, of concern for a man inside the premises. Upon uh, arrival, an officer... Sorry, uh, upon officer arrival, the man was taken to hospital with injuries to his foot where he remains. They are not believed to be any other parts involved. The incident is not being investigated as a crime. No, no, tell me you're not coming to the end of the story. No, there's at least another sentence. One eyewitness said, a man went to Haymarket Wilkinson's, went upstairs to the electrical aisle, picked up some bolt cutters, chopped off his big toe, and stood eating it. The aisle was then taken off by police... police. And forensics went in. Wilkinson's been contacted for a comment. End of story. Was this Mr. Mooney? Oh, he's got. If it is, he's gone a long way. 
Well, it's another acid trip, isn't it? Yeah, um, it this, I think this is somebody having a horrendous episode. I mean, th- so we don't know anything more about Motivate Anything. No, that's it. What day was this? Uh, that was the 30th of October, so... Halloween! Uh, yeah. Actually... Very near Halloween. Are we not sure this is not just a Halloween stunt? Yeah. But either, it... either way, that's a bit twisted, though, isn't it? Nah. And also, how would you fake that? We need follow-up on this. Yeah. Uh, Steve, when you're not driving the hearse, can you have a look and see if there's a follow-up to this? Because yeah, we definitely. need to know what happened. Now, I apologise. brilliant. I think this was Steve again. I apologise if it isn't Steve, but you'll know and contact us if I'm wrong. Um, oh, we don't want to dis- We don't want to miscredit somebody here. Are you telling me you're not sure who the story I is? I can't from? remember. No, I'm sorry. Um, just make a note of it. On- <laughs> I've got the story. That's the important thing. Right. So this is from the Independent, actually. Um, and it was from the 7th of October. So it's going back a bit. And the story is by Ben Kentish. Headline. You've got to say that right. <laughs> Good point. Boy opens messaging bot on beach, but finds note from men out of our nuts on cocaine. <laughs> Mr. Mooney again. <laughs> Hang on, all right, go on then. Okay. A schoolboy was left disappointed oh, after... By the way, sorry, just on that, Rob. I think there's a very high possibility. Yeah. A very high possibility that Donald Trump is on copious amounts of cocaine. Oh, with yeah, without a doubt. Because he sniffed his way through one of those debates. Yes, yeah. And it was uh, so evident. And it would just make so much sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn's always snorting and sniffing, but maybe him too. Yeah. Go on. A schoolboy was, was left disappointed after rushing home to read a, ne- a note he had found in a bottle on the beach. Message in a bottle. Yeah, all that kind of shit. Only to find it written by two friends during a cocaine fuel binge the day before. Which is brilliant that yeah. somebody <laughs> thought to put that in a bottle. Robbie Chappelle and his mum, Catherine Smith, were walking his dog on Hailing Island in Hampshire when he discovered the bottle and rushed home to open it. But instead of a message from the pirates or deserted island castaways... It wouldn't have been either of those. It would have been like... Oh, in Hampshire. <laughs> Maybe the Isle of Wight. Um, pirates, Rob. Yeah, pirates of Penzance. Where's Penzance? Uh, Penzance, that's... Um, Cornwall. Oh. Which is still a long way from Hampshire. Um, yeah, instead of being written by pirates or desert island castaways, the note had been written by Dan and Dan the previous day. In a video recorded by his stepfather, the excited 13-year-old can be seen smashing the 500ml Heineken bottle six times with a hammer to reveal the note inside. Oh, I thought that was after he'd read the note. No, 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 no. no, he didn't take his rage out somewhere else. The clip shows Robbie pulling out a soggy scrap of paper and his stepdad read the message aloud. The note says, Dan and Dan were here, 1st of the 10th, 2016, at 12.19pm. So they were off their tits on cocaine just after midday. Um... Out of our, our nuts on cocaine, massive love for the sesh, lots of love, sesh gremlins, aka Hud and Suv. A disappointed Robbie responds, Oh, beautiful. <laughs> didn't the stepdad stop reading? Couldn't you just made up a note as yeah. he read it? He should have done actually, and then just wholly just threw it through his yeah. way. Shit, shitty stepdad, really. Stepdad Robert, 51. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only joking, Robert. No. Uh, 51 then adds, No pirates then, just druggies. <laughs> Okay, the great quote. The video has been shared 16,000 times. Mrs. Miss Miss 45 said, it's got to be the worst, uh, the world's worst message in the bottle. We thought it might be something exciting uh, from France from years ago, but actually it was from a couple of druggies the day before. Why don't we do one, Robert? No, let's, let's up this. I want to put a note in a bottle that just says, 
Uh, give me one second, just so I can get the order of the words right. Okay, I'll off key reading. No, 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 no. Okay. So the R note should say. Right. Go fuck yourself, you bottle note reading cunt. <laughs> right. Can we have pathetic in there as well? I'm off next week. I'm willing to drink a bottle and then we'll head down to the Thames. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> we'll go to the Bridge, just lob it in, and then hopefully uh, send it Business card. Do, do we want people to come back to us on this? <laughs> yeah, this is good, good marketing, Rob. Maybe we won't have the C word in there, but we'll have go fuck yourself. <laughs> go Sorry, fuck yourself. So that... go so... fuck yourself. You, 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 you bottle note, you pathetic bottle note reading bastard. Do you know what? No, I think you're right. I think the C word needs to be in there. It gives it more punch. <laughs> uh, Listen to local anaesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> At which point they don't. Robbie Someone wants to mock that up, that up for us and post it on our Facebook page. Face is strange. If you want to do that, please do. <laughs> yeah. Robbie saw the Heineken bottle and shouted to me that there was a message inside. Maybe I, star out the rude words. Yeah. Uh, I said not to break it as on the shore as we'd just create more mess. I carried it all the way home in my coat pocket. We got quite excited to think about what it was. We had all the exotic ideas of what it might be and Robert thought it'd be a good idea to film the grand opening. I don't think, I don't think this is what happened. I don't think the son was excited at all. I think it was all the stepdad. <laughs> you saying he was with his mate? No, I think oh, he's right. excited about reading this note, Robbie. He's the one, he's oh, right. one, yeah, he's the one who had all these ideas about pirates and all the rest of it. It's, it's him. It's all him. I thought you said he knocked up. He knocked up. Knocked up. He mocked up the note. No, why would he do that? No, that's what I thought. Unless weird. he's abusing the uh, the child mentally, uh, and which he isn't. Let, again, let's clarify that isn't the case. Mister <laughs> said it's probably not travelled very far, given it was, it was found. After one day, how do uh, they know that you could have just let? That's what we do. You just leave it on the beach, and it looks like it's washed up on the shore, but it hasn't. No, true. Do you know what I think this is? And the, the last quote gives it away. Portsmouth just crossed across the Channel, and then in the other direction, there's France. And we don't know how many cocaine users there are down here. I think she was disappointed that her local neighbourhood has gone down here. In her opinion. <laughs> yeah, agreed. <laughs> Great stories there. Uh, whoever that was from, we think it was from Steve. Yeah, I think so. If not, I'll, I'll clarify next week. Yeah, You've got probably. It. If I don't forget, we've got to credit people. Rob, it's important. And if other people want to send us a story, I'm going to let you know how we do that in a minute. But Rob, that brings us to the end of episode 194. Yes, and we look forward with a mixture of eager anticipation yet trepidation to our next episode, which will be episode 195. Um, as we move ever more forward, Rob, like. Um, <sighs> A bottle floating down the river. I'm going to mention Trump. How has he been floating? Well, he's a, he is a floater. Dragging. He's a floater of some sort. Well, that's true. That's true. Sailing to victory. I'm out. I don't know. I can't. On copious that. amounts of cocaine. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, just that'll like do. that, we move ever more forward to our next episode, which, as I say, will be episode 195. And all that remains, Rob, is to say goodbye to this episode. Goodbye episode. Bye Rob. Nice to see you again. I've got dual citizenship with the United States and I voted some time ago. Oh good. I voted for Mr Trump. Do you know what we should to do? To make America hate again. I mean great again. That's great. I'm really no, pleased. hate again. Okay, right. You know, I'm really pleased to hear that. You know what we should do? Fuck off there. Well I might. Good. I might. Yeah, go. No one wants you here. Maybe hurt his feelings a bit. Good. I'm glad. Rob, if you I really am glad. Rob, if he doesn't come back next week, there's going to be no episode. 
I mean, that's just one of the things we have to prepare ourselves for. I think you should apologise, otherwise there's going to be no episode next week. Call him back, go on, and say sorry. I'm not calling him back. Call him back and say sorry. I'm sorry, little prick! <laughs> Better? But he might not come back, Rob. We'll have to, maybe you'll we'll have to apologise at the beginning of next week's maybe. episode. Maybe, maybe we will. Um, we can be found... Uh, and I'm going to now continue, Rob, the tradition of inexplicably telling people who are already listening to the podcast how they can find us. <laughs> we have to I do love it, the fact that we've been doing it since the beginning because it does make no sense. No. But uh, we can be found on our website, which is lapodcast.net. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash LA Podcast. We're on Twitter at, at LA Podcast. And uh, if you want to find us on your iDevice, maybe you'd like to find us a different way than how you, felt us already, <laughs> how you found us already, then you can find us uh, uh, by searching for Alex and Rob or LA Podcast or Local News. One of those should get us to come up. And we do have a YouTube channel. It's important to tell people about the YouTube channel. If you search for LAPodcast.net, we will come up. Look at our channel. There are some videos there, some classic stories. They're brilliant. They've got pictures. They've got images. Watch them. They're great. And please... Leave some comments down there or subscribe to it because the more hits we get on that, the better. And you can also subscribe to our podcast on your uh, on your podcast app and leave us reviews. If you want to send us a story, like so many of our listeners do, then send it to us at lapodcast.net at gmail.com. That's lapodcast.net at gmail.com. Or post it on Facebook or Twitter. Rob, you want to say something? Yeah, I mean, at the same time, uh, obviously we're telling our listeners how to get in contact with us. I think it's going to prove a lot more uh, successful than just lobbing a bot into terms and then abusing whoever reads the note at the end. <laughs> Possibly, although I still think it's a good marketing stunt. Hey, me too. God bless. And keep it local.